Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, Mets fans. Welcome to Amazing Avenue in Conversation. My name is Brian Salvatore, and today my co-host Chris McShane and I talk with the New York Post's Mike Puma. Mike has been on the Mets beat for 12 seasons and was covering the Mets a little bit before that, so he has been with the team for quite some time. And he wrote a new book called If These Walls Could Talk, New York Mets Stories from the Dugout, Locker Room, and Press Box. It was released at the end of April. It is available uh, on Amazon and other places right now. Uh, he talks about in the episode where to grab it, the best place to get it. And uh, we talked to Mike about the book, about covering the Mets for the last few years, about the Wilpon era a little bit, and lots more. So check it out. All right. So joining us this week is uh, Mike Puma, Mets beat reporter for the New York Post. Uh, he's been on the beat now for uh, 11 years. Um, and as a result, he's put out a book, If These Walls Could Talk, stories uh, from the New York Mets. So, Mike, thanks for coming on and, and congratulations on the book release. Thanks a lot. It's actually, this is my 12th season on the Mets, which in, uh, you know, dog years, it's probably like, what, 60, 70 years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, I know I, we first met the first time I went down to spring training for Amazing Avenue, uh, you know, you, you were on the beat. And as somebody who's coming in from the way that we, you know, covered the team as fans and, and doing all that, I, I certainly appreciated that, that you and, and everyone else 
uh, was was warm and welcoming uh, at the time. And it's it's always nice to see you down there when we we get down there. And hopefully more in-person things are happening soon. But uh, but yeah, how'd the book come about? Uh, what, why now? Uh, you know, obviously the timing coincided with a new era of the Mets, but was it already in the works or was it a, a result of that? Yeah, so uh, the people at Triumph Books reached out to me uh, two years ago, April 2019, uh, about do, uh, about doing a project. And I was kind of on the fence, you know, people in the past had said, oh, you should do a book. And I'm like, uh, I don't I don't have time for that. Covering the team is like a job and a half, you know, just about sometimes. And the more I talked to the people at Triumph, uh, you know, they were going to give me a, a lot of freedom to kind of do what I wanted. And uh, it kind of swayed me. I was like, all right. You know, it, uh, it's it's been over a decade on the beat. If, if ever I'm going to do a book, I do have some stories. If ever I'm going to do a book, maybe this is the time. Maybe I won't get another chance. So that was April 2019. Uh, I signed on with them to do the project. And, uh, you, you know, I do get a lot of that. or I shouldn't say a lot of it, but on Twitter, I do hear sometimes, oh, you wait until the Wilpons sold the team to, to come out with this book. And, uh, I mean, truthfully, the book was in the works two years ago. I submitted the manuscript a year ago. Uh, you know, the, the stuff that's in there was going to be in there one way or the other. It, it just kind of happened to to fall that way where that they, they sold the team here. Um, but, uh, yeah, now we've been out a couple of weeks. Uh, that it, it's, it's been out for sale. And, uh, you know, we're happy uh, with, with the start so far. Now, Circling back to the Wilpons here, you know, you don't pull any punches in your book. There are some moments when the Wilpons really come off looking, well, looking bad. Let's just be honest. Did you recognize when you started with the team that this team is not run like other teams, that there was something different about the way that ownership tended to meddle into the on-field performance and things like that? Did, was Were you aware of that? Or was that something that only became clear, you know, after a few years on the beat? Well, see, now I've been a backup guy at the post for a, a couple of seasons uh, before I went on the beat. I was kind of floating between the Yankees and the Mets. So you kind of knew the dynamic uh, of how the team was run. And uh, also, you know, now 2010 was my first year uh, really on the beat. And th that was kind of the Madoff stuff had uh, just started going down about a year earlier. And that kind of changed the, the dynamic of how things were run a little bit, but no, I, I certainly knew going in that, uh, that, you know, Jeff Wilpon was, was heavily involved in the organization and, and kind of how things were run over there and that it was, uh, it was probably different from most, the way most other teams are run. Yeah, I did. And, you know, when those things came up, obviously, you know, there's, there are stories in the book that, I don't think people had heard before, um, but we've heard some stories along the way, you know, from, from your coverage and, and general coverage of the team as well. Um, did you guys ever, uh, did you or just the beat in general ever face any sort of adversity or, or, you know, restriction of access or anything as those stories happened over the years, or, or was that a pretty smooth relationship regardless of what you guys were writing? I wouldn't say it was a smooth relationship and it, because, and you wouldn't hear it directly from the will ponds or anything like that, but you know, you would hear it through the PR channels that, Hey, uh, you know, uh, Jeff isn't happy about something that got written or, and and sometimes it was implied that, Hey, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, the Wilpons don't like this and, uh, and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe stories are going to get thrown to, to other outlets if, if you don't get on board here a little bit. And so, so there is some of that back and forth and it, it's certainly a line you walk in covering the team, you know, uh, I, I, I wouldn't say, you know, you can't, you can't go too far, uh, one direction. Or, I don't got to kind of, you got to kind of walk. Now, in terms of when you were putting the book together, you know, you have obviously so many stories from so many years covering the team, and there were obviously moments that stood out. What were a couple of the moments that you felt, I have to write about this? This is a signature moment of my years covering the Mets. Well, I, I, I certainly think that Santana chapter and the no-hitter. I mean, uh, just the emotion of that night, uh, and I kind of get into it too from the perspective of uh, people who were Mets fans. Uh, uh, my colleague Mike Vaccaro, who grew up a Mets fan, and, and his quest to see the the, the final out of a no hitter, and you know how he used to drive uh, over to Yankee Stadium or Shea Stadium or City Field when it you know got to about the fifth or sixth inning and it was a no hitter. Uh, Gary Cohen, who was you know grew up a Mets fan, and I, I was. Uh, I love Keith Hernandez comment about, you know, he, he looked over uh, at the end of the Santana no hitter and, and Gary was in tears crying. He was so emotional about the moment. So I, I, I thought the Santana no hitter had it had to be a chapter in the book. And, and certainly uh, 2015, the build up to um, the, you know, the, the run to the pennant, you know, all that happened uh, in, in those last couple of weeks of July with the, the trades that Sandy Alderson made and kind of how it all came together there and, and kind of looking back at, you know, there was some disagreement in the front office. Should they, you know, give up Fulmer to get Cespedes uh, um, and just kind of, kind of the way they handled that. Yeah. I think one of the things that we appreciate the most about Gary, Keith and Ron is that you can tell they're so passionate and that they care about the team and they're also capable of being objective while doing that, you know, you, you watch so many other broadcasts on MLB TV and uh, there's, there's a lot of homerism, a lot of openly rooting. Um, and they, they really do a nice job when it comes to that. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Keith, Keith wrote one of the forwards. Um, if, if you were looking specifically to cater to the Amazing Avenue audience, the forward duo that you have of Hank Azaria and Keith Hernandez is about <laughs> as much as you can hit the nail on the head. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, just curious, how did, you know, how did those come about um, yeah. with those two guys? Well, Hank, now Hank, I, I didn't know it all, but he follows me on Twitter. So, you know, I, I got to thinking about kind of who I would like to have writing forwards for the book. And I said, you know what? Hank's a big name. He, he's a diehard fan. He, he really, he really does live and die with the team as, as you see when you, you read what he wrote. So I, I reached out to him on, on Twitter. He agreed to do it. He, he did a, I mean, He did a really nice job. I, I thought that added another element to the book, just, you know, his, the, the, the suffering he's gone through as, as a Mets fan. And, uh, you know, he talks about uh, irrational, his, <laughs> his irrational hatred of guys like Carlos Beltran and Tom Glavin, uh, you know, all these years later. Um, so he did one forward and I wanted, you know, I also wanted somebody connected with the Mets to write another one. I've, I've known Keith Hernandez a long time, you know, being around the, the ballpark covering the team. 
we've always had a good relationship and uh you know i i thought he would bring another element as somebody who played on on the last team to to win a world series for the mets so um you know having both of those guys uh contribute to the book i i think a big plus yeah absolutely um you know, you, you write about David Wright in the book, and I think anybody who covers the Mets in any capacity over the last decade or decade and a half has to have, you know, ha- just you talk to them, there's this reverence and this respect they have for David Wright. He seems like a legitimately good guy, just somebody who poured everything he had out for his team and was great with the media. You know, is there is there a signature David Wright story for you, something that really sums up your experiences with David? Not really. I mean, he was, he was just always so consistent. He was, he was, he was the, the go-to guy in the clubhouse all, all the years I've been around the team. Now, even before I was at the New York post, I was working up in Connecticut at, at the Connecticut post, uh, kind of floating between the Mets and the Yankees uh, starting in the late nineties up until, um, you know, 2007 when I went to the New York post and, you know, I, I, I right just always struck me as, as that guy who, who was, who was going to, stand in his locker and take accountability uh, when things weren't going right. Um, And, you know, I I, I talk in the book about, you know, it's too bad we didn't get to see the the last five years of his career, what he really could be, because I really think uh, he'd be a Hall of Famer right now, if not for the injuries, because he he was kind of he was on that track now. You know, some some might point to the beaning by Matt Cain as maybe a turning point, but he, he you know, he, he did come back after that and have a, a couple of decent seasons, but then his body just started breaking down, and uh, he he's kind of the embodiment though of the the era I'm writing about because I I I start in the late '90s with the Valentine era, which is right before David Wright got there, but then you know from 2004 to 2018 David Wright's you know involved uh you know in the organization when you're talking about uh uh game seven 2006 and then the the 07 and 08 with the near misses and then the tear down the the rebuild uh, you know the trip to the world series so he's he's kind of a a fiber uh I would say to the to the book Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, such a, a great player, such a class act, and someone who, you know, as you said, really tied those those eras together. You know, he, he got to play on teams with Pedro Martinez and and Tom Glavin. You know, even though our, our final memory of Glavin is ultimately a bad one <laughs> as Mets fans, but you know, those two all time great pitchers, R.A. Dickey, it, you know, didn't have that. Uh, length to his career but um you know he won a Cy Young award and, and was up there and now right you know bridge that gap to uh, Matt Harvey at, at his peak Jacob deGrom you know it's yeah one one thing that's been nice and I think you, you hit on this in the book with you know Johan Dickey and deGrom and and Syndergaard all factoring in and and Harvey of course but just no matter what, if the Mets are great or if they're bad, the pitching, you know, the, there's always something exciting to watch on that front. Um, so yeah. in terms of, in terms of those new era guys, um, you know, what was it like talking to them uh, as you put stories together for this, you know, DeGrom and Syndergaard are, are in there pretty prominently. 
Yeah, Syndergaard was very helpful uh, with the project. And uh, I mean, I'm thankful for that because you look back in the last year and a half, he, he really hasn't done many interviews. And he, he spoke to me uh, extensively. This I'm trying to think now. It was the fall of 2019 he talked to me uh, and uh, really uh, talked about a variety of different things. But the, the one thing that stood out was uh, him discussing uh, when he tore the lat in 2017 that he had, a, you know, from his trainers, uh, he had a good idea that this was going to happen. And he didn't convey that to the Mets. And the, the Mets were uh, in the dark on that. And he went out and, you know, uh, kept pitching. And uh, ultimately, you know, that was a controversy with the Sandy Alderson. Should he get the MRI? Did he need the MRI? But uh, Syndergaard goes to the mound in Washington and tears the lat. And uh, I mean, that was a, that was a big dagger in that 2017 season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, speaking of, of Syndergaard, of DeGrom, of those guys, who is a, uh, a member of the current team that you know you can rely on for a good quote? Who's a guy who, you know, sticks around and is going to make sure to give you what you need when you're trying to cover the team day by day? Well, Pete Alonzo uh, continues to exceed expectations. Now, it, it's, you know, the last, uh, this season, last season are a little bit different in that, uh, you know, we're not in the clubhouse now because of the, uh, the uh, COVID restrictions uh, we're, we're limited to what we can do on the zoom calls, but I tell you what, Pete Alonzo, uh, Pete Alonzo is terrific. You can eat. I don't know if I've ever covered anybody more authentic than him, you know, it's just, it, it, and it comes across, you know, um, but you look at the team and there, there, there's, you know, Brandon Nimmo, there's another guy uh, who you can count on. Um, I think Dominic Smith falls into that category. Um, trying to think of some of the others, uh, you know, Lindor is new. I, I think the, the media is still, uh, feeling him out a little bit, but, you know, and then, you know, going back over the years, uh, certainly guys like Billy Wagner, uh, Jeff Frank core, uh, R.A. Dickey. I mean, they, you know, and the, a lot of them are, are quoted in the book for a good reason because, um, you know, they were, they were so, uh, great, great to deal with, uh, when they played for the team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought uh, Trevor May's answer the other day about just sort of everything that had happened over the last, uh, over the weekend, um, you know, we're recording this on, on Monday coming off the Mets sweep of the Diamondbacks and all of the yeah. uh, chaos from Friday night. But I, I thought he, he did a really nice job in that answer of breaking down 
uh, sort of an honest ass assessment of where the team is and it, an inside look at the clubhouse that, that, you know, you guys just aren't getting. Do, do you have any concerns that as we hopefully continue to make progress with vaccination and, and seeing the numbers come down and, and getting to a better place, do you have any concerns that the Zoom period of coverage is going to last longer than the public health necessity for that? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see now how this shakes out a little bit. I, I know there's, you know, we're here, we are May 10th, whatever it is. I know there's been discussions with the BBWAA and MLB officials about uh, getting some kind of access here, whether it's uh, on the field for batting practice and being able to talk to players, you know, in the dugout uh, pregame. Uh, I think that would be the, the first step in the right direction. The clubhouse, uh, you know, that's something that uh, won't, won't come till later on, uh, you know, uh, and I, to be honest, I don't know if we're getting back in the clubhouse this year. I, I, I don't know uh, what the dynamic is going to be for that. But, you know, I, I, I would hope, to, you know, I, I think most of the players, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think a good, at least a good number of the players are as sick, are as sick of the Zoom calls as we are. And then they, <laughs> they kind of miss the personal uh, interaction. But I'm sure there's another group that says, hey, you know, let's keep these guys out of here. This is, this is, so it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to, to see how, how this shakes out here, but uh, I, I don't think it's a great situation. You know, the zoom calls keep everybody afloat, but uh, you know, it, a lot of the same stuff is getting written and it, it, it it's really tough to get a feel for these guys uh, talking to them through a screen. That's what I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask sort of what's what's been the biggest adjustment that you've had to make in order to continue to cover the team thoroughly without that access. You know, what adjustments have you made? Well, I, you're, I mean, you're doing a lot of. You know, everybody seems to be is kind of tied into writing the same stuff because you're 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 at the mercy of who the teams make available, and then if if you ask a question that you know uh is your idea it's out there for you know 20 other people to, to hear the answers and it's um i i think it's just the uh the the loss of originality here that uh we're we're, we're getting a lot of the same stories because uh you know it's a party line here everybody's everybody's in on the same call talking to the same people so and you know i i think the i think the pr people from the teams recognize it and, and would like it to change. And, uh, you know, the, the first step, like I said, we'll, we'll be getting back on the field for batting practice and being able to talk to hopefully talk to players in the dugout. I, I, I really think that's going to something that's going to happen here in the next month or two. And, uh, then after that, the, you know, the, the big, the big move would be back into the clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I think that's reasonable. We've been, Brian and I, and, and everyone here generally has been as, as careful as anybody over the last year as we've adjusted to everything. But as, you know, players, staff, and press get vaccinated, you know, at least having that outdoor access would be would be nice to see you guys, uh, you know, out there. Um, one thing from a fan perspective, the Zoom, the, just the easy uh, availability of it, that they, they you know, the player or the GM or, or the team president is mm -hmm. on there and they just 
pop that zoom over onto social media for everybody to watch. Um, that's probably been the one upside of it where obviously it's, you know, not nearly as good for, for you guys. Um, but you, you're just in your middle of your work day and like, Oh, Hey, here's, here's Francisco Lindor. Here's Peter Alonzo. Right. Here they are talking and like asking why shows that stuff, but not really in that same way. Um, so I, I don't know. I obviously getting the best stories out of it uh, is, is more important. Um, but as a fan, it would just be cool to see some kind of something come out where they find, you know, find some way to, to do, you know, even if it's the post game stuff where, uh, you know, you're, you're getting the starting pitcher on there and you're able to pop it up on, on your computer or whatever, you know, I, I think the teams will, will probably look to do something, you know, uh, take, take that away from this experience and look to do some of that stuff where they, they, they get it more, uh, you know, more online, more streaming. Yeah. And, um, just one other thought on the, on the book, um, or question about it uh feedback from anybody you know it's it's been out now for a couple of weeks anybody in the team read it and come up and uh have any anything good to say anybody giving you the cold shoulder <laughs> surprisingly I, I haven't gotten any negative feedback um you know maybe uh uh you know i've, I've the book's been being sent out and i've given it out to a few people around the team and stuff like that i, I don't know how many have actually read it yet at this point um but I haven't, I haven't gotten any negative feedback. I, I have gotten some positive feedback, uh, people that like it. So, um, yeah, I, I think the true test will probably be over the next month kind of as, as people start reading it and, and seeing what's in there. Uh, one of the things I've been doing during COVID is I've been rewatching this show uh, that was on the independent film channel a few years ago called Dinner for Five. And John Favreau would invite four, four different people to dinner to sort of just talk and discuss. Who would be your Mets four people you'd invite over your time covering the team to have dinner with? Who would who would you want to share a meal with to laugh and to hear good stories about that? Well, uh, Bobby Valentine would certainly be on that list. I find him to be a very interesting, uh, intriguing person, a man who wears uh, many hats. Uh, we see he's running for mayor of Stanford, Connecticut now. <laughs> uh, so I would put him on there. Uh, let's see. Four others, or uh, three. Uh, how many? How many others do I have to? You get three more. Three more. Okay. Um, I would put. Uh, I think I would put Keith on that list. You know, I I, I like listening to his stories about uh, his playing days, and uh, you know, and, and and Keith and Bobby are friends, actually, as, as Keith points out in the forward, going back to when Bobby was a. Uh, a coach for the team uh, before he left to go to Texas. And uh, Keith could probably make a good wine suggestion for dinner too. So that's a helpful guest to have as well. <laughs> you know, let's, uh, who else are we going to put at that table? Uh, you know, let, let, let's put Syndergaard at that table. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's a little off the rails sometimes. And I, I think we need that, you know, somebody who's, who's, who's uh, a little different in that regard. And the fourth one, who are we going to put as the fourth one? Yeah, let's put Cespedes in there. How about that? All right. <laughs> I would I would like to be at that table as well. <laughs> let's put Cespedes in there. I, I think that would be terrific. I, I think he's got some 
some real stories to tell that uh, a lot of us don't know about. How was he to cover as a as a journalist? How was he to interact with? He, uh, I'd say, moody. You know, he, uh, you could you could have a count now. As things went on with the injuries, uh, he, he, he became unapproachable. But those first couple of years, uh, you could have a conversation with him at his locker. And, uh, you know, he, he would impart some stuff. Uh, but, you know, the last couple of years, uh, you know, with all, the, with all the leg injuries and certainly after the uh, incident on his ranch with the wild boar, he didn't want any part of the media, really. And it's too bad. I mean, I think uh, – you know, I, th- I think it, fans would have embraced him more if, if he opened up and uh, kind of shared his ideas and some of his stories. Yeah, for for all of the uh, reactions to Lindor and McNeil's story on Friday night, um, I think from a fan's perspective, it was just nice to see that they, one, that they had seemingly made up by the end of the game, and two, you know, you, you'd rather have um, I don't know. You'd rather have somebody going out there trying to give a lighthearted, uh, make, make some fun of themselves really in that situation. And, uh, you know, as, as fans who loved watching Cespedes too, I, I can see a little difference there where, you know, I'd rather have the guy going out there and, and, and trying to make jokes, um, just because it, it can be endearing, you know, I know, I know some, no, some people didn't love the story, but, uh, I think fans, I don't know, kind of took to it. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Cespedes, but the contrast was Cespedes would get tight and he, he just didn't want to deal with it. And uh, Yeah, I mean, you could argue both ways on the, the Lindor-McNeil uh, thing. You know, the, the other way you know, approaching, Lindor could have just said, listen, something happened, it stays in the house. What happens in the club, we're not talking about it. And I think that would have been it. You know, uh, because certainly, uh, you know, certainly we the media is told stuff along those lines all the time, especially when it comes to uh, injuries. We, we, we don't get a lot of details on uh, on on what's happening with, with some of these injuries. So I, I think if Lindor had come out and just drawn the line and said, listen, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not going to talk about what happened. And I think that would have meant it. And I, I think that would have been respected. Uh, the 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 rat raccoon thing it just it, <laughs> it kind of took it took on a, took on a life of its own in the week before that we had the uh donnie stevenson the uh the, the imaginary coach thing so it, it it's gotten a little a little strange you know with, with the imaginary stuff happening you know but yeah uh, yeah, the yeah. Mets, the Mets at their best are, are a little strange, <laughs> as you know. <laughs> yes, uh, you know one of the things that we've been hearing from folks the last year or so is when Alonzo came up, when Smith started to hit, this team got very likable. It seems like it's a really good mix of guys who are just really fun to be around and enjoy each other. Does this team seem more tight knit and fun than other Mets teams you've covered? You know, I think it is. I think in not just this team, but the last couple of years, for sure, with, um, J, you, you know, you can throw J.D. Davis into that mix and uh, Nimmo, Conforto, uh, Dom Smith, for sure, Alonzo, McNeil. 
they, they, they've certainly taken to one another, and a lot of them played together in the minor leagues. That, that's that's one of the nice things about uh, having uh, these successful drafts uh, that they've had in the last, you know, seven, eight years here, is uh, a lot of these guys have been able to come up together and form these bonds. So uh, I, I find it to be a very likable group. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, I think the last couple of years, we've kind of seen it, how they uh, respond to each other. Nice. Chris, any, yeah. any final thoughts, Chris, before we let Mike go? Um, but no, do, do we want to? So, Mike, we usually uh, end our podcasts with a music recommendation every week, uh, obviously covering baseball. Um, you know, in normal times, you have a lot of time on the road, a lot of time to yourself. It's a little bit different now, but there's still time between Zooms and games and all that. So uh, anything in particular you're listening to these days that uh, – it's kind of your go-to music. You know what I find myself listening to a lot is on uh, drive, driving back and forth to the ballpark because I, I got a pretty lengthy commute where I live. Uh, listening on XM, I, I, I like listening to the uh, Beatles channel on uh, on XM radio, and uh, I, I find myself tuned to that probably more than anything else. My kids are also big fans of that channel on XM. We uh, every car ride is is soundtracked by the Beatles, which is fine by me. Channel 18 on XM, yeah. <laughs> well, Mike, where can folks find you online? Where can they find the book? Give us the uh, the details. So, uh, yeah. So I'm on Twitter, NYPost underscore Mets. Uh, and the book is uh, it's on Amazon, but I, I also have a link set up. If you put in MikePuma.com, it'll take you right to the to the, the page on Amazon. And it's If These Walls Could Talk, New York Mets. Um, so if you're a Mets fan, I, I think you're going to like it, you know, so, uh, go on, buy it. It's a lot of fun. It, it, it flies by as you're reading it. I really enjoyed the book. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. Congrats again, Mike on the book. And, uh, we look forward to, you know, another full season of coverage, uh, the rest of the way here as this, uh, strange, but hopefully entertaining and good Mets team continues to play. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. We truly appreciate it. Go to AmazingNavigator.com for all your Mets news, analysis, fun stuff. We did a Alar of the Day post yesterday that was a lot of fun. So, you know, check it out. We would really appreciate you following us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can find this show and all of our other Amazing Avenue podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts, you can find this show. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris McShane. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian. It's an app. And until next time, let's go Mets.